Welcome to the AS Unified uh, Sports Business Series. My name is Mitch Makiana, your panel host and moderator throughout this afternoon. I uh, just want to say before we do anything, just a couple of house rules. This is going to be an amazing panel. And plus, you can do yourself a favor by sending us questions uh, throughout the discussion. We're going to be taking a moment to do a focus on uh, leadership and empowerment um, in terms of the sports industry. So please, in the comment section, feel free to send me some questions uh, if you want to ask our panelists anything. Uh, before we get started, can we just go around the room? Uh, Cynthia, Prisca, and Sarah, just introduction, what you do and where you're from. All right. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're from. My name is Cynthia Mumbo. I'm the founder and CEO of Sports Connect Africa, which is um, a sports consulting firm based in Nairobi. So my focus is on the commercialization of sports and providing uh, commercial solutions to sports problems for stakeholders across the continent. Awesome. Priska, how about you? Hi, my name is Preska. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I'm a senior legal counsel at the FIA. So for those of you who are not into motorsports, who don't know what that is, that is um, an organization that basically regulates motorsport. And I'm originally from Uganda. Awesome. Sarah? Good morning, everyone. So I'm Sarah Solemale. I'm from uh, France, from Paris. And uh, I've been working at FIFA now for almost nine years. And I'm currently uh, in the department in charge of governance of uh, FIFA member associations with a specific focus on African member associations. Fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you very much again for all the incredible uh, individuals for joining us on today's discussion. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, our focus will be on leadership and empowerment in episode three of this series. And I want to start off, you know, in terms of seeing that all three of you guys are leaders in the spaces that you're in. Cynthia, I want to start with you. What are the certain struggles that you have faced to get you yourself to the point that you are today? And how has those struggles, you know, helped shape the individual that you are within your industry? Um, great, good, good question. Um, where do I start? Because being a woman in the sports industry, and especially as an entrepreneur, is is, is a is a crazy uh, has been a crazy experience, but one that I would not change for anything. Um, my struggles have come from you know learning from. I've had to learn, you know, on the job really, because what I do, not too many people do. Uh, but because I, I do have a, a background in business development and a background in, in marketing, that really helped. But, you know, within the space of sports and sports business, it's, you know, virtually untouched across the continent. And I've been doing this now about six, seven years. So a lot of challenges around explaining what, you know, what we're about or what I'm about or what our business is about, but also being looked upon differently because I'm a woman in the industry. For the longest time, I used to, you know, ignore it, but because I come from a home where there are no girls, it's just me and my four brothers. So um, I, I got used to growing up being one of the guys. Um, and going out there, I used to go and, and think that I'm one of the guys, but then, you know, it, it would be so obvious that, you know, you things would be pushed, you'd be pushed or your ideas would be pushed aside because you are not, or I'm not, I wasn't one of the guys. Um, but, you know, that didn't, 
the, the way I look at it is challenges are there. It's like a huddle. If you're running a 100 meters huddle, 110 meters huddle, you jump the huddle, get to the next one, jump the huddle, get to the next one. Um, and it doesn't matter what level you know you get to, there's always going to be a new challenge. And that's really part of life. Now, Prisca, I want to know from you, how have you overcome, you know, adversities and certain challenges in your industry? Um, I think that for me, it, it's, it goes back to sort of where all of this started is how do I even get into sports? Um, uh, my initial thing for me is I wasn't even going to be a lawyer to start with. It wasn't my first choice. Um, when I went to university, I wanted to be a journalist. And I basically went to do the, the entry test, which was at the time was the aptitude test, and I failed. So I failed the entry test to my journalism course. And basically, law was only plan B. And so when that fail, when that came about, I was disappointed. I was, of course, crushed because at that age, you know, you're, all you want to do is be on the screens and TVs and present because that's what I understood, you know, journalism to be at the time. So when I failed, I had to think and quick on my, and you know, and decide, okay, now that plan A has failed, what's my plan? And basically plan B was becoming a lawyer. But even then I didn't set up to be a sports lawyer. Um, so the first lesson there was you must always have a plan B because plan A not, might not work out. And this goes for whether you're a woman or whether you're a man, you know, it doesn't matter the gender at this point is that you must always have a plan B because plan A may not always work out. Plan B may not work out, so always have a plan C, but realistic plans. I think that for me, I was a dreamer at the time and I was not realistic. And I think this is something I say to a lot of people even now is that when you make your plans, make sure they're realistic. I think it's good to dream. It's good to tell people or dream big, go for your goals, but you need to make sure that they're realistic. And so for me, I had a reality check quite early on to start with that fail. Then I ended up being a lawyer, but actually I qualified as a commercial lawyer. But then I didn't actually find a job in commercial law, like um, in, a job that I liked at least at the time. So I did a lot of jobs I didn't like to start with. I did long hours and I worked really hard, but I was not really enjoying it. And I can tell you that it was on that journey when I was sort of, I, was, I shared openly with a lot of people about my struggles. And that's another lesson, share openly about where your struggles are so people can help you. You know, because you don't always have to look like you know it all or you know what you're doing, especially at that age when you're so young, we all need guidance. right? And so I shared openly about my struggles and I just ended up on a panel where, um, sorry, not on a panel, sorry, I just ended up talking to somebody who basically guided me into sports law. And that's how I ended up um, at FIFA, actually, because before I came to the FIA, I was at FIFA before that. Um, and I only left FIFA at the end of last year. So... It's just to say that you need to be flexible in life because there's going to be challenges. And I've had so many of those along the way. And I've always had to say, OK, that's failed. What's my next plan? So mm -hmm. the lesson here for me is have a plan A or B or C. Also, just make sure it's realistic. I like that. I like that. Just, you know, putting certain measures in place in order to make sure that you achieve your goals, you know, because sometimes we overlook those little minute goals that we have because we always have the big picture, but it always starts off so small and then just gradually working towards that. Now, Sarah, speaking about, you know, that bounce back and making that decision of, you know, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to be, you know, a leader. I'm going to be empowering. I'm going to be in this space. How do we, you know, switch off that mental block? Because most of the time it is that. 
You know, sometimes people have, um, you know, you, you just feel like you, you, you don't deserve to be in that space or you shouldn't be there. But how do you switch up that mental block to be like, you know what, I own my place. I should be here. I've learned from this and that. And now I'm happy uh, that I'm here. Well, Mitch, I think it's the first step in, in owning your, your, your space is, first of all, to, to, to believe in your value. I think as from the moment you believe in your value, you believe in yourself, uh, you give yourself every opportunity to shine, um, then you can be you can be taken seriously and you will take yourself ser seriously uh, as a start. So I think it starts with believing in yourself. Then I think what's important is uh, not to judge uh, yourself against others. Uh, I know it's difficult with our generation, with social media and and we tend to, to compare, and uh, I'm sure everyone does, and we all agree it rarely ends well. But uh, I think we should always keep in mind that everyone is unique and, and bring his own set of skills, uh, his own abilities and, and, and characteristics. And what is important uh, is basically to allow yourself uh, to 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 shine and 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 see so that people see your special touch, so without having to compare yourselves with 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 others. And I think the the third thing I would add to that is to try to also develop a leadership presence, because you can only own your space if if you if you are aware of that. I always like the the, the saying, "Practice makes perfect." So it's important to practice. Uh, your power to those situations where maybe you don't feel particularly uh, strong. Uh, for instance, uh, I've worked a lot on, on being confident when, when speaking in public, uh, going to AS Unified uh, webinar and, and getting to speak in a panel is definitely a great practice, I must say. Um, but it's important to face those situations uh, where you don't feel comfortable uh, as early as possible to, to reverse the trend. And there are actually leadership courses uh, on the market nowadays for, for, for men and women actually uh, to, to work on those uh, insecurities. Um, Cynthia, I also wanted to know, I mean, you being the founder and CEO of your own business, how do organizations create that space where, you know, women get a fair shot? Because, I mean, if we're being realistic now, you know, in this world that we live in, you can clearly see the divide, especially in sports. And you just want the opportunity for young girls to be there, you know, to at least get a fair shot. So how do organizations go about, you know, creating those spaces so they can, as you know, Sarah say, own that space and develop those leadership qualities? I think what's critical is being deliberate about, you know, the, the, the gaps, you know, knowing that there are gaps. You know, I think sometimes we walk as if we, we live in a world where things are okay, you know, but being very deliberate about championing the uh, the the affairs of women and 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 you know just creating platforms that support women creating opportunities for training because many organizations you will go to you will find that there are women but then they don't grow past certain levels because they are women you know and so being deliberate about training women being deliberate about creating opportunities um and, and empowering women to know what they need to do for certain, you know, spaces. Because 
many times you'll hear, oh, do you just hire a woman because she's a woman or do you hire someone of diversity because, you know, there's that diversity hire thing. We have to be deliberate about empowering women to be qualified, you know, because the excuse is women are not qualified. But then the businesses have the opportunity to empower the women who are within, you know, their spaces to qualification is about education. It's about empowerment. Uh, and then, you know, growing them into those positions and allowing them to make mistakes, sudden mistakes so that they can learn because you can't learn unless you're given an opportunity. So giving women opportunities to grow into those spaces of leadership. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, Priska, I, I want to know from you in terms of just moving more into that leadership aspect of things. Uh, what are the certain things have you learned, you know, from your leadership style, how you champion um, the certain ideas and certain things that you have presented? Um, I think also maybe just to sort of slightly go back to what Cynthia was saying about empowering women, right? Mm -hmm. I happen to be a product of sort of being empowered by women. So it's one thing for women to want to be empowered in the workspace and all of that. I think that we as women, we have the role, especially the women in this panel, for example, we have that role where we have to then sort of take the torch and pass it on to other women based on stuff, because we know the struggles that we've faced being here. So I'm a product of a woman who took a chance on me when I started my sports journey at FIFA, who basically saw me for what I am, saw my strengths, saw my weaknesses, and then what she did was took my strengths and basically um, she basically took my strengths and focused on those and expanded on them. Right. And on that basis, as Sarah was saying, then over time you become confident because you, you've got one thing that you're really great at that somebody has, has sort of focused on. And then you start to kind of gain confidence to then do other things. So I'm a strong believer in, first of all, as women who have made it to this position where we are to, to understand that we have the role to then take the younger women and guide them sort of a lot on their journeys. Uh, I think in that sense, that's the one thing I would sort of start with. But I also, the one thing I also want to say is we have to have empathy, communicate clearly and have and have empathy. I think that we, as as, as leaders, whether we're male or female, um, I think that empathy is a strong one because a lot of the times you might have a young lady who's really good at what she does, but, or maybe it's not as good as you are, maybe it's not as strong as you are. But I think that I always say that in my, for me, in my position, I always believe in communicating what I'm trying to say, but above all, being empathetic to the person's situation. Because only then, if somebody feels like you're listening to them and that you're guiding them, and above all, you have empathy, they will then sort of have the opportunity to shine because they think that you believe in them. So that's really what I would say on that point. Yeah, I hear you. I think the essence of the blueprint, you know, setting that out and just passing the torch is also key. And I think you also pointed something amazing in there with your empathy point about communication. Now, Sarah, what is the importance of being a leader in this space when it comes to communication? Because, you know, sometimes it can get competitive. Sometimes, you know, Prisca has already mentioned about the feeling of letting people know what your issues, how you're feeling, where your struggles. How important is that key of communication? Communication is key, especially in all layers uh, within an organization or in, in life uh, that is private or, or professional, but especially I would say whenever we are touching upon leadership positions. I think uh, good leaders speaks clearly, 
uh, but at the same time needs to strike a balance between firm and delicate messaging. Um, there is also an importance on learning the needs of, of your team and, and also the key stakeholders you have to deal with. And that requires somehow a certain flexibility uh, to adjust the messaging uh, to reach the desired result. And as Priska said, flexibility uh, also goes with empathy because obviously everyone is not in the in the same situation in their life or, or do not face the same circumstances. Uh, so I think um, lessons I've learned in terms of leadership is really good communication skills and, and, and trying always to adapt and to be flexible. Where I would like to also um, emphasize is um, what I've learned recently is that leadership is also hard. Um, in my view, it requires courage and, and commitment and a good leader must, must push through, through, through fear and act uh, and not only speak. And whenever there are times for tough decisions to be made, I think uh, those ones are made by, by leaders and that's what differentiate them from the rest, from the others, from managers or, or the rest of the people. And challenging a system uh, well set, uh, of course, leads to criticism and pushback. Um, but a good leader does not retreat uh, or, or, or shy away. Um, he or she uh, just takes a stance and pushes forward. Um, so what I mean is that I think leaders, leadership is hard and requires courage, but in exchange, of course, people follow leaders who fight for them and, and they make the necessary sacrifices um, for the leaders who serve them. So communication is important for a leader, but I think decisive uh, decision-making is also very key uh, in terms of leadership uh, position. For those who are watching this on YouTube, please feel free in the comment section to ask questions as we go. We will be answering them um, a part of this discussion. Uh, Cynthia, I think we've, we've established the communication, we've established you know, just the empathy, but also something I wanna jump on is the importance of collaboration. We already know, you know, women in sports, there's not enough spaces for everyone. So you sometimes get that comp competitive, you know, nature um, because of organizations lacking to create spaces enough for everyone. How important is collaborating, you know, on projects with people in order, you know, to, to get things done, in order to grow together? Um, the world that we live in today, you can't work without, you can't move without collaboration. Um, it's, it's inevitable. You, you have to work with people. One thing I've learned as a leader is that I don't know everything. Um, I, might, I might know how to be in a certain space, but somebody else might know how to open a different door. And that will require for me to collaborate with them to open that door. Um, it's, collaboration is vital. I think Priska mentioned um, a little earlier about you know, being able to pull um, others with you. Sometimes we think collaboration is just working, you know, across. Sometimes collaboration is working with those who are, you know, in the ladder, say, beneath you and being able to pull them. You're collaborating with them to build them, but they're collaborating with you to push you up, you know. So for me, what's critical is understanding your environment, understanding what you know, you know, and what you don't know, and understanding that it is okay to work with other people who know something that's different from you to be able to achieve whatever vision 
uh, you're working towards or whatever goals and objectives that you're working uh, towards. Uh, you, you can't run away. You, we don't work in a vacuum. Um, and so that collaboration bit, and you can't, you can't communicate, uh, you know, you can't collaborate un unless you have the gift of communication. So it, it all, you know, works together. It's all this web where everything is inter interconnected. Um, I've got a message coming through from Adem on YouTube who says, with the collaboration point, what opportunities are there for the youth and what tools can be utilized to bring more young girls into sport and stay in it? Priska, I want to direct this question to you. I, I almost feel like Cynthia is probably the best place to answer that yeah, question. Yeah, sure, sure. That position <laughs> where, you know, um, <laughs> great. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, no worries, Priska, I'll take that out. So I, I work I work in a space where development is, is big. So I've been lucky to have set up um, a, a basketball program called Vicapo Elite Basketball Academy. I don't run it now. And that's because I realized that I'd gotten to a point where I needed to grow to something else. So, you know, focus on Sports Connect Africa. And so what we did... Um, what I did as I moved on is that I allowed the coach, Coach Zedi, and the administrator, Grace, to take up. It's 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 a matter of knowing that you can hold people's hands and allow them to be. So I'm sitting on the advisory board now, but that's because I allowed myself to move. You know, it wasn't the easiest of decisions, but that's because I allowed myself to move and I gave an opportunity to another young person to run a, a whole organization. They've just come back from Senegal for the first time. They were invited to, um, to the SEED Foundation you know, program. But maybe that wouldn't have happened if I was holding on. I'd have probably been the one to go. And then you know, the, the opportunities that would have been available to these two leaders would not have been the same. I feel that it is important sometimes uh, you know, to let go, but also to create. As leaders, you're creators. You know, as leaders, your business is to be able to say, I can see this person, I can see that, I can see that other person. And, you know, be that person that creates opportunities for other people. It's actually one of the most difficult, you know, things to do, to be a creator for opportunities. Uh, because sometimes we want to stay stuck in this space, you know, when you get comfortable, you want to you wanna hang on because it's working. But it's important to be able to create and say, I can see qualities in this person. I can see qualities in B, C, D, and really just bring up these people into these spaces and allow them to grow. Um, I like this comment that came through from uh, Sports Tourism, who literally just said, you know, a great example of collaborations for, for women's sports empowerment is what recently took place in South Africa, where Banyana Banyana, the South African women's team members, received full university scholarships, which is, you know, it goes hand in hand with empowering, you know. There is right. something in there, and that's amazing to see. And I want to go back, Priska, to you know the grassroots level, or you know young girls who are coming up, who are looking at sports, who enjoy it, and want to be a part of it. How does an individual, you know, just a regular person who's part of that person's life, how do you empower them from a very young age, um, or plant those seeds in order for them to grow within that space and to have the confidence to you know pursue that dream to be there? I think. Um... On my end, and this is from an individual level, because at sort of sure. FIA or FIFA level where I've been, I it's not something I actively did. And I have to say I'm embarrassed as, as a woman, as a woman in my position, to say that I've never necessarily gone in that way. 
But on an individual level, I the one thing I've done is I share honestly, is I share my journey honestly, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? So because what I don't want is for young people in, you know, for example, from Uganda, where I'm from, to look at me and assume that they've always been like this, you know? Mm -hmm. What I do is I'm, I'm very clear about, you know, the fact that when I was at university, I worked in sandwich factories, I worked in coffee shops, you know, I had to do a lot of late night shifts. There's a lot of hard work that went into it. What I don't want to do is create a, a, a you know a bunch of women who just dream but don't put the work in. You know, um, what I don't want is to encourage the women who think they just sit on Instagram because they have positions and post about them without necessarily doing the work. So I'm a strong believer in sharing my journeys of truthfully talking about where I failed talking about when where things didn't go right, talking about where I failed as an individual or where other people failed me. But also for them to understand that just because you failed at specific times does not mean that's it. You know, they, I've had moments where I failed and I was just ashamed. I, I beat myself down. But, you know, I only allow myself to stay down for so long. And after that, you have to pick up yourself and you must keep going. So you must never give up. So the one thing that I do for sure that I think is very important is and for all of us is to always share our journey, but honestly talking about what worked, what didn't work, what were the hurdles, and then also what did you do to then get past those hurdles, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, the main thing that I, I would say is share your journey, the good, the bad, the ugly, and hopefully inspire some women along the way. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, another comment coming through saying, um, hello, I'm working in the soccer industry in Madagascar, and I have questions for Sarah. Uh, do you have any program that empower women in soccer management for the association members? And a second question, do you have any thoughts about implementing policy that would bring balance and gender in the soccer board? Yeah, those are really, really relevant questions. And uh, hi to those in, in Madagascar. That, uh, that is a country I know very well since the past few years. Um, so taking the second one, of course, it's important for sport organization and, and FIFA, obviously, uh, being uh, taking the lead on that to, to, to adopt policies and especially to adopt governance targets. Uh, it's, it's, it's the only way in the end in order to ensure, um, you know, that those nice words are actually put into actions. And uh, FIFA in this respect has taken concrete measures. Um, for instance, we we have targeted that all our FIFA member associations um, must elect at least one woman in their executive committee by 2026. And I think we, we've passed this, this, uh, this target already uh, quite some time ago. Um, so in the context of my job, I help um, member associations to materialize these targets, to, to set up those objectives in, in, their, in their regular regulatory framework, in their constitutive documents. And um, this basically uh, touch upon uh, reshaping um, everything related to eligibility criteria for women to access board positions or, or other committees within, within federations. Um, so that's, uh, that's what we aim uh, to do. Of course, then there is the reality uh, and the reality sometimes is not so easy. Uh, to handle, uh, to, to ensure that women are well integrated, especially in leadership position within member associations. But uh, that's why I'm, I'm there. And that's why I have colleagues also that uh, work hard in, uh, in, make, in making sure that there is this cultural shift. Because in the end, it goes back to this. 
we can set up really nice policies and 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 regulatory frameworks. But if organizations, uh, sport organizations, do not believe in the cultural shift as a start, uh, it's going to be very difficult for them to enforce those uh, those policies. So I think uh, that's uh, that's a good point to 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 reply to to our uh, online re uh, reader and also with respect to um, management programs and to jump in what uh, Cynthia mentioned with respect to empowering young girls from uh, uh, the very start through through some initiatives or, or programs FIFA has launched in 2021. Um, let's say, has cooperated with uh, AFD, Agence Française de Développement, uh, for the program called Champion. Um, FIFA has uh, financed this, uh, this program uh, that is actually run by, by an NGO. And the goal is, is basically to empower women and girls between 12 and 24 years old to fight against uh, discriminatory practices and... Um, all sorts of discriminatory attitudes that they may face at a, at a very young age. And the objective is basically to promote leadership uh, amongst girls and, and, and promote gender equality uh, through football. Uh, we have uh, now various projects, uh, if, I'm, if I'm not wrong, under this program, which are currently being developed, I think in, in, in Benin, Togo and, and, and Guinea. And um, it includes, for instance, capacity building uh, that is uh, targeted. It also gives uh, the opportunity um, for girls and, and, and women of uh, between that age to, to play football in refurbished facilities with proper equipment that are usually used by, by boys and men. And uh, this actually comes under um, the FIFA strategy for promotion of women's football. Uh, as a vector of social change uh, or social cohesion and also for equality in, in Africa. So this is, for instance, a really good uh, showcase of uh, the programs that uh, the Member Associations Division um, are cooperating and collaborating with uh, other NGOs and organizations. And I really invite uh, our uh, attendee to, to take a look at it on uh, the FIFA website. That's fantastic. Thank you very much, Sarah. Um, Cynthia, coming to you and your experiences, has there ever been something or certain things that you think people overlook when it comes to, you know, the development of young girls and women within the sports industry? Yes, accessibility. <laughs> uh, you know, just giving girls access. And also, you know, culturally, we're told that girls don't belong in those spaces or, you know, they're allowed to play until a certain age. And then they're told your place is in the kitchen or, you know, you need to go to school or, you know, it's what I've come to learn is that you, you give girls opportunity, just like you give boys equal opportunity and, you know, the girls get to shock you. It's not just with sports, it's with education, it's with leadership, it's with, being able to provide accessibility to young girls is, you know, something that we overlook. We, we think, uh, not we as us, but, you know, the, the, the society makes a lot of assumptions. We, we say, oh, you know, like in my country, girls do go to school, um, but then they are not given the opportunity to play 
football, the way the boys are. They're not, they, whenever you're buying kit, you see that the boys are bought for the best kit. The girls are given one kit, the boys are given seven, you know? The, you know, the girls' games, whether it's, and I put this in quotes, they call it netball, you'll find that if there's resource for sports, then, you know, the head of sports will push resources towards the boys' games, football, you know, and, I, and I'm putting this in quotes. If you have a basketball team, and this happens a lot, even on, you know, at, at the highest level, you, you've seen that even with with um, the WNBA and, and the NBA, you can see that resources are pushed. And, you know, the excuse is that people don't watch uh, the WNBA, but FIFA have shown us that when you build it, they will come. And, you know, the investment that has gone behind women's football in Europe and now we're seeing in Africa and in, 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 in the Americas and, in you know, in, in Asia, the women are being given close to equal opportunities, still not equal opportunity. But in terms of media coverage, they're now being given much more and now people are going to watch. So I think starting at the lowest level, it just, just give girls the opportunity. Don't deny them the opportunity. And if you build it, they will come. It's something that I'm singing now, you know, as much as possible. If you build it, whether it's, you know, the basic sport, whether it's for girls or for boys, because, you know, sports in, in Africa is, is considered, like we call it in our, in, our, in our language, Prisca, I don't know if you speak Swahili, it's a game, it's playing, you know, it's, it's just playing. We have to look at it differently, whether it's at the developmental level or at the elite level. If you build it, it'll come. If you create opportunities you know the girls and if you do not discriminate because that's another thing you can you can create opportunities but then look at girls and 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 you know I've, i think i've explained this with examples you know kind of discriminate and say we've already told you you can play but that's as much as we can do you you know we have to we have to empower we have to build we have to you know consistently learn i think reviewing ourselves consistently is something that's really critical it's not just a matter of saying, okay, here are the balls. It's a matter of saying, okay, how many girls are playing this year? How many girls do we want to play in the next year? How many girls do we want to do A, B, C, D? And con consistently challenging ourselves and our systems to be better. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, as you pointed out, some perfect examples just over the recent months with the Women's AFCON and, of course, the Euros as well, breaking records, just simple attendance records, which goes a long way. And it matters so much, especially that media coverage, like you said. Um, Prisca, coming to you, I've got a question from Brian uh, that says, will having more women in leadership result in a cultural change we need in sport? Absolutely. I think that also sort of historically it's been said that if women ran the world, <laughs> if I can make that joke, that we would do a much better job because we, <laughs> it's, it's a joke. You know, it's just, a, I think that, I, I mean, I don't think that we need to have more women running, running in leadership positions than men. I just think we need to balance it out. We need to be fair to everybody. Um, I'm not one to say, oh, we must have more women because women are better. Um, it's just, I think that giving everybody a fair chance, like Cynthia was saying, right from the start, right? And then allowing everybody to blossom and sort of bloom into what they're meant to be, but then giving everybody equal opportunities. I think it's all it all starts there. And if I can go back to the point that Cynthia was making about, you know, the fact, you know, how, how kids, you know, 
if you build it, they will come. I agree with that, but I think that also there's a need to educate at sort of parent level. I'll tell you why. Because a lot of the times you might have all of we have the same problem even now in motorsport is you have we have like what we call you know girls in motorsport we have a lot of kids who join karting at a specific age for example who then hope to eventually you know evolve into the next stages but by the time they become teenagers a lot of the cultural aspects fall into place because the fathers mm. will say no 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 one you have to get married or two no you shouldn't be in school or you should stay at home and look after your siblings so i think there's also a need to educate the parents you know, um, and, and I'm not, I haven't thought about what shape that or form that should take, but I think it's something we need to think about because at the grass, grassroots level, it really starts at home. Um, mm. And that was just to go back to the point that Cynthia was making, just something I thought about, I needed to say. Yeah. But yeah, um, I think I agree that equal opportunities right from the start, giving everybody a fair chance to blossom and grow is already a good starting point. At this point where we are, I think, yes, there's a need to balance things out and have sort of more women in leadership positions, empowering them so that the younger, I mean, I think, which is why it's a good thing to have these panels, right? Where you have an all women panel and hopefully a lot of the younger girls who are going to watch this will say, oh, wait a minute, I could be like those people. And, and which is why I think it's important that we all share honestly and say, look, this is great. It's nice that I'm here, but this is what's happened. This is the journey that I've taken to be here. So that they understand that it's not easy, but you can do it. Mm -hmm. uh, um, also, we got another question for Sarah that says, uh, "Is there or will there be a space in FIFA to accept innovation projects in women's development from interested people? Maybe something like a challenge or competition?" Well, um, I'm not going to speak for the women's football uh, division, but I'm sure that uh, they would be happy to hear any ideas that uh, that would be innovative and that could actually push forward the women's game. So I really invite uh, the relevant person who asked the question to to send it over uh, to AS Unified or, or to me directly in private. Um, I also wanted to know, is there, you know, like right now where, where the world is and how modernized everything is and how we all connected through social media. Is there a role that social media plays in terms of women in sport, in terms of the leadership and empowering? Because sometimes we look at it and say, you know, most people are like, oh no, that's bad, let's stay away from it. And there are others on the other side of that coin who say, you know what, this can be a tool that can be used. So Cynthia, how can we, you know, use social media in terms of that aspect, in terms of getting the education out there and just the certain things that, that it helps us with? I like that question. You're in a room, in a virtual room with three women from, you know, across, across different countries. I'm in Nairobi, Prisca's in Geneva. Sarah, where are you? Are you in Paris or you're in Geneva as well? I'm in Zurich. <laughs> She's in Zurich. Uh, you're in South Africa and we're talking about women. This would never have happened five years ago, right? The, 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 I shared on my social media, I, I shared on my WhatsApp, I shared on my LinkedIn and the, the other ladies and AS Unified shared this. There's no question, social media has made a huge, 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 huge difference. I, I was just checking the other day, I have about 9,000 um, connections uh, on, on LinkedIn. I started on LinkedIn years ago. And I have so many young girls and so many women reaching out to me and saying, and especially in the last year or so, 
oh, I'm studying my master's in sports management, or I'm going to do A, B, C, D in, in sports, in you know, in sports management, or in, you know, just within the spaces, whether it's law and whatnot. And the fact that LinkedIn is an open space where, you know, these young women can reach out is extremely powerful. It's extremely, extremely powerful. It's something that I don't take for granted. I personally wouldn't be where I am considering, you know, that I took the the leap of faith and said, I'm going to start a sports business. I don't think I'd be where I am today if it wasn't for LinkedIn. Most of the people, you know, Olympic Lyonne, FIFA, uh, who have been my clients, um, Crystal Palace, you name it, whether it's Gorma here, here or wherever, wouldn't have happened without social media. So for, you know, those young ladies who are listening, take advantage of these platforms. Do not be afraid to reach out to us who are out there. We're, we're accessible. We might not answer immediately, but I know that, you know, Sarah is accessible. I know Prisca is accessible. Reach out to us on these platforms. And if there's a network that we need to open, if there's somebody that we need to, you know, connect you with, then my myself, I can stand here and say it's my role to be able to, you know, support these young young um, women and young men also to just, you know, push them towards that same direction. Actually, uh, talking about it, if I may, Mitch, I think I met Cynthia simply on, on, on social media, uh, LinkedIn, and we, we spoke. Uh, very naturally on online and we got to meet each other face to face when I was yeah. in Kenya a few years ago and uh, and it was as if I had always known her so it's it's really powerful I, I must attest to that I can say now we call each other sis so it's, it's that yes. it's that <laughs> it's that powerful yes I think I think also just the spaces of social media and throughout this discussion we've been talking about you know leadership and empowerment. But I think there's also one sphere that comes with all of this, and that's obviously mental health. I think over the couple of years, we've, we've seen spaces and conversations come up around it. Um, and especially in sport, we've been seeing a lot of people come out and be honest, you know, about their struggles with mental health and where they are. And at times, I mean, I'm surrounded by incredible women of color who are doing amazing things in their certain spheres. And sometimes, Women of color are always on the back burner when it comes to you know certain things in industry. If we're being completely honest here, and especially when when it comes to mental health, Priska, how important is that in terms of the education of that? Because it's all good and well for us to say let's champion, let's do this and let's do that, but where mental health kind of you know knowing and educating ourselves about you know being okay with not being okay is also just important with leadership and empowering people i think that's a very um it's a, it's a sensitive topic it's because i think a lot of people privately suffer from this including myself where i think we've been raised especially as black women to be strong you must be strong you must not complain because if you do complain then you being the angry black woman, right? And, and I think that's a narrative that we need to break where we should be, we need to understand that everybody, whatever individual, regardless of what race or where they've come from, struggles at some point mentally, right? And I think that there's a need to have what I, I, I always say, there's a need to have a sisterhood. And what do I mean by that? It's having a sisterhood is basically where you have a network of people who you can openly share with when things are not going right. 
I think a lot of us, um, and because we're in the field where we need to compete, everybody needs to look like they're, they're the best. Everybody needs to look like they're doing really well in the time. That's impossible. Even the most powerful presidents suffer from these things. And I think having mm -hmm. honest conversations about this and creating spaces where we can honestly share with each other. Um, and Cynthia, I don't know if, for example, in the organization that you run, if you have like spaces where these girls can come to you and say, I'm struggling at home, this is happening at home, or this is happening at work and I can't, you know, I think I find that a lot of times we're scared to share because we think it makes us look weak. I know that mm -hmm. I'm, I've been a victim of that where I'm afraid to share because I might look weak or I might look incompetent or I'm afraid that people would think if I then complain, oh, I'm being what I, we, the narrative that we call the angry black woman. But I think that already going back to the point I was making about the need to have sisterhoods where we as women can once again hold each other's hands. Because a lot of the times women understand each other's problems a lot better than anybody else would. Right. Mm -hmm. So, for example, it might be easier for me to go to Sarah. It might be easier for me to go to Cynthia and say, Sarah, I'm struggling with this problem at work. You know, as, as a lady, as a woman in your position, you might understand what I'm struggling with. So I think there's a need for us to encourage sort of what I call sisterhoods, where we have networks. Like you guys talked about, you know, having LinkedIn, where there's like a, a network where sometimes women just meet. Um, I know that when I was at FIFA, we had the women in sports law thing where sometimes we would meet as women and just kind of have conversations, have coffees, talk about what's working and what's not working and things like that. So that's really what I would say on that point. And I think it's something that needs to grow. I think it exists, but I think there needs to be more open conversations about this and it's not happening at the moment. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that honesty is is correct. Cynthia, I want to direct it to you, as Prisca said. Are there, you know, spaces for mental health or for young women um, that are coming up in the sports industry? Uh, I'll be very honest. I've not seen yeah. any on this side of uh, on this side of the Sahara. The the conversation is really just to even give women opportunities to start with, yeah. you know. But that's a good that's a good you know point. I think it's it's important. Personally, I'm, uh, I've, I, as, as an individual, you know, I, I've been very open to so many young young ladies who uh, who have come to me. I, 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 I can't speak, you know, on each individual, um, but I try as much as possible. If it's a hug you need and anyone who's listening, who has come through, even my house will tell you, I, I'm, I know the pain and I know the struggle. Um, and it's not easy. It It's sometimes difficult for us in leadership, like Priska said, because people expect you to look a certain way. Yeah. Um, I remember because of COVID, I lost everything. And then in between that, I lost my father. If I didn't have my mom, I'm just saying this, you know, because it's hard to speak about it, but I can tell you, if I didn't have my mom for who she is, I honestly don't think I'd be standing, and my brothers. Um, because I didn't know how to share with people that I've lost everything that I had to start. But, you know, the fact that I'd networked for 10 years, it really helped. But it's it's not an easy thing to come out and say that, hey, I've had to start from zero. Can you give me business again? Or I've, I've had to do A, B, C, D. And that's really tough for even leaders in positions. Uh, we, in sports, we are, we're taught on the pitch to be tough. Uh, we're taught to take losses, you know, but it, we're rarely ever taught how to manage the mental repercussions that come with those losses. 
You know, we're told to take it in. And as black women, we're taught three times what we're taught on the pitch. Take it in and support everyone around you. You know, we all know about the black tax. Uh, it's something that, you know, if you have a problem, if you can get up, get up and then support everyone else, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reality is that there's definitely a very, 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 very big need for those spaces to be created. Sometimes it's just a matter of us taking that um, that initiative as individuals, but you know, sometimes it takes a, a space like this where we speak and I can reach out to Sarah and Priska and say, hey, can we start something, as Priska said? And it can it doesn't have to be very big. It can be a caucus of women, you know, in, in sports business who are from Africa of African descent or of African descent. And you know, just hold each other's hands, you know. Um, I also want to go to, I think, look, the importance of network and connection is really, really key. But, you know, sometimes that you have this, like, block of social anxiety of, you know, going out there and actually asking for help. So I just want to just direct it, if you guys can share, even if you have some personal experiences, of how do you overcome the leadership pressure, um, you know, on your own? You know, like, when you have that moment where sometimes life is just getting so busy and just out of your reach, how do you pull yourself towards yourself? You know what I mean? Where sometimes you can't get that instant message from someone or reach out. So what are the certain things maybe you do, Sarah, just to be like, I am here, I'm present, and I'm doing what I need to do? Um, I think it goes with, uh, it revolves around the topic of resilience and mm. uh, self-control somehow, or finding um, maybe an activity where you can release yeah the stress or release the anger, release the frustration, all those, uh, those negative uh, feelings that still are part of, of uh, humanity. Um, and I think it, it goes to that. You need to have, you know, your moment, your bubble, uh, or you need to have your habit that allows you to do that. Um, from my side, I, if, I, if I may share, I basically, I love to... To speak languages so uh, during covid uh, when basically exactly as cynthia said a lot of people lost a lot uh, or maybe businesses were quite um, let's say uh, challenged and 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 were under pressure and there was not so much work um, there was obviously a lot of tensions i think in in in, in the sport world or in in the business world and I decided, uh, okay, I will learn the language because that's that's what I do. I, I that's the, my way to to find you know a distraction and 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 basically uh, you know switch off from from uh, whatever issues or frustration that uh, that I may face. So I decided to learn Portuguese, and I'm super happy after two years. <laughs> Uh, I'm not fluent yet fully, but uh, it's it's what I did. Or for instance, I, I also got a dog, um, and and I basically uh, trained him during COVID, and I do some walks with him, and and you know those are little things that sometimes uh, we believe that okay, but it has nothing to do with work, but you need that, you need that balance in order to you know somehow um, feel good. Uh, with uh, challenges that you may face at work or struggles, and uh, you need to find these uh, these uh, these little things that make you happy and and balance you out uh, outside work. I would say. 
Uh, now, Prisco, we got a message that came through, uh, which is just a quick question that says, because uh, you were speaking about the empathy point a little bit early on in our discussion. What advice would you give women where empathy is seen as a weakness and taken advantage of in the workplace? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, it's a great question that even I struggle with. So maybe we can kind of all discuss we can it. Open it. We can open yeah. it to the floor. Open it up. It's something that I struggle with as well. But I think I believe in, uh, earlier, earlier on, Sarah said something about being, you know, having empathy, but staying firm, right? Like you can have empathy, especially as a leader. You can, for example, if you're leading a team, yes, you should have empathy. Absolutely, you should communicate and all of that, but you need to be firm for as long as you believe that what you're saying is fair. You know, you have to be, you have to, to be able to sort of communicate your message have empathy, but stay firm and also stand your ground because you can't also be a leader that sort of dilly dallies, right? You can't mm -hmm. flip flop, right? So there's a, there's that need to sort of balance it out. It's a, it's a, and the balancing act is what's difficult for a lot of people, including myself. Uh, so maybe, I don't know what the other ladies think. Um, that's something we all need to learn from anyway. I think, um, I think it's important to communicate. Um, what you're experiencing, especially when people try to take advantage of you, tell them point blank, I see you're trying to take advantage of me. It's usually very hard, but you know, human beings are so afraid of, of that confrontation, they kind of take a step back and they're like, yo, this is actually a leader, like you're saying, be firm. But also just tell people the truth, you know? I don't like this kind of, you know, approach, and this is why I don't like it, and this is why I don't think it'll take us to you know, the, the space where we need to be. Just stand your ground, be firm. It's extremely difficult as women. You will be called names, you will be called the B word. They will say you're too much. They will say, you you know, you don't know your place. I've experienced all of that. I, you know, they will say, how dare you? You know, you'll be told all those, all those things. Last year, um, I ran for president uh, of the Basketball Federation. And I, I announced my my um, I announced my candidature seven days too, <laughs> and my goodness, it was insane. You know, the kind of experience I had in fourteen days was absolute madness. The seven days too, and then the seven days after was interesting because I stood my ground. You know, I stood my ground in the seven days. I was abused. It was it was it became personal for so many people. But after I ran the race, I lost only by 12 votes and nine were incumbent votes, guys. So I did pretty well out of a hundred and something votes. I lost by three votes. But the, 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 the way people looked at me changed because I stood my ground, you know? So I'm, I'm moving away a little bit from the empathy question because, you know, that standing your ground uh, conversation is very important. But what happened was, because I stood my ground after the election, the respect was so high because I took in so much and I didn't play the game that was being played on the other end. I didn't respond. The, the expectation is that as women, you know, you should respond in a certain way. The black woman conversation. Oh, you know, she's emotional. Oh, she's this. If anything, the, the other side won't. Men use that emotional thing on women, but men are more emotional, if you ask me, you know. <laughs> I'll agree. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight it. I'll 100 percent agree. 
<laughs> you know, it, it's, a, it's a reverse psychology kind of thing. And so, you know, the fact that I stood my ground, the respect came and the respect has stood. I choose not to play the game that's being played on you. You know, we're playing in a competitive space. Uh, you can't run away from the competition. Just be a smarter person in that space. The fact that someone is using your empathy to take advantage of you is a game. So if you know that game, your, your, you know, your response should be, I'm standing. This is, you know, and then they come back and they, they'll try again and again. And at some point they'll end up respecting saying, you know what, it seems as if this person has changed. They now stand their ground. So if you need to go to this, it takes time, but you know, we practice and consistency and, you know, just keeping your, your, your true self. And like Sarah says, be resilient. Uh, at some point the names will come, but the respect will follow. Um, I just want to go just to wrap things up in terms of conversation. If there's any, you know, advice or some parting words that you would give young women who are looking at the sports industry and saying, I want to put my stamp on approval on it. I want to be a part of it. How would they go about it? You know, what, what would you say? If you, for example, just giving yourself a little bit of young advice, I think just to, just to help. Um, yeah, Sarah, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, I would say, um, I would tell young women or women who want to enter the sport industry that they shouldn't be scared to be bold. Uh, not to fit in, into a mold is fine. Uh, I think being bold is great. I, I love being bold. And uh, to dare as well to believe that uh, once you're in the sports industry, you may deserve more than what the industry actually allows you to get. Uh, it's really important and, and, and also not to stay in your comfort zone because obviously by staying in your comfort zone, you don't question yourself or the environment. And I think it's important. I'm, I'm someone I always question or doubt and I always ask myself a lot of questions. So, uh, it's really helpful in, in, in most, uh, most of the time. And um, last thing, I would also say that um, women shouldn't be scared to fail. Uh, I think being scared of failure is actually uh, a, a big uh, obstacle. And uh, we all, at a certain point in life, in career or personal level, we will fail at some point because it's part of life. So it's important to, to, to get comfortable with that feeling and, and to fail fast and, and fail forward because uh, failure and the frustration that goes with it and the disappointment that goes with it are actually part of the journey of success in my view. So that's what I would uh, give as an advice. Priska, how about you? Um, I think I want to start by agreeing with Sarah's points, especially the point about being bold, uh, not being afraid to open doors, not being afraid to walk in and sort of walk in with your head held high and say, I would like to do this. Now, it's one thing to be bold and want to walk into rooms. You have to be willing to do the work. I cannot stress that enough because there's no shortcuts. You do not get to where Cynthia, Sarah and myself are at the present. And even we can grow, for sure have a lot of room to grow. You do not get there by not doing the work. Right. I to give a personal example, I came from FIFA after seven years doing football. Then I ended up in motorsport. I know nothing about motorsport. I've had to read. I've, I've, I've spent nights just reading. You know, when you think about the technical aspects of the car, the financial regulations of like motorsport and Formula One, it's a lot of work, right? 
But I've had to basically put the work in to deserve my spot where I am. I've had to do late night reading. You know, I've had to sort of basically prove myself. So it's one thing for somebody to give you the opportunity to open the door for you and let you in, but you need to earn your spot. You have to be willing to do the work. Awesome. Cynthia? I can't agree more with Prisca and Sarah. What I'm going to add is trust yourself. Hmm. Trust yourself. It really is. I mean, you're the, the, the moment you wake up in the morning, you know that I want to be in sport. Do what you need to do the right way, with integrity, with honor, with valor. Do what you need to do to learn. Do what you need to do to you know, challenge yourself. But beyond everything, trust your dream. Trust yourself. Like Sarah says, fail forward. Your head will always be at the, the front, not your legs. Stand up and keep going. You know, you know, stand with your hands up at the front there, and you know, keep going. Um, know that there are women out there who have gone through, you know, probably not exactly what you're going through, but have been through the journey and have, you know, taken the hit. And so the the road is already a little bit smoother. So we're here. You know, we're here to to work with, with the women out there. We might not be here, you know, every single minute, but send me an email or send me a WhatsApp or send me a, a LinkedIn message. I will always re reply that we are out here. We're not too many, but we're willing to hold as many hands as possible to get more women out there. Awesome. That's, ama that's amazing. Uh, just to wrap it up, I just want to invite Gabriel, who's going to be just joining us uh, real quick. I'm not sure if he's, he should be somewhere. There we go. There he Hello. is. Hello. Can everyone hear me? Okay. Yeah, we're yes. good. We're good. Hey, Gav. Hello, so Gabriel. Happy to see everyone. Um, just wanted to quickly join in just to say a huge, huge thank you to everyone who has joined us over the course of this month. Um, this is such a, an important topic that we really, really want to focus on. And I'm just so privileged to hear from everyone on this panel, including yourself, Mitch, doing a great job hosting, but just, you know, how far we have come in the development of women in sports, but also the work that still needs to be done. Um, at ASU, we're all about creating a sustainable ecosystem and a holistic one as well. And we can't do that without having room for women involved in the growth of sports. I think sports on a continent in Africa is such, uh, in its infancy still, but it's beautiful because we can shape it to how it really should be. And as I said, women in sports is a real key factor in doing that. So once again, just want to say thank you for all your contributions. You already know I'm a huge fan of you individually for what you do. Um, yeah, as a collective, really excited to see um, the future and what's ahead. So thanks for everyone for tuning in and really, really appreciate it. Thank, thank you very thank much, you Gabriel. Thank you again. My side, thank you everyone for joining us on this panel. It's been incredible. Um, you can watch this back if you missed some things on social media. Feel free to go check it out. AS Unified on Twitter, Instagram. That's where you'll find it on the website as well. And I want to end off with, uh, I'm a Tosa speaker in South Africa, and we have a phrase, which means you strike a woman, you strike a rock, because that's all about strength. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. Um, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, your morning, your evening, wherever you are joining us in the world. Um, and again, thank you to our panel and have yourself a great, great 
afternoon. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye, sisters. Bye. Bye.